It is a glorious, very few people are going to get that. Beautiful day in the A, people. It is a beautiful day in the A. You are listening to the Atlanta Sports Enthusiast, brought to you by Cast Off Studios. I am Mario Cordell. And I'm Terrence Bailey. What's good, people? What's going on, man? Hey, um, we did miss last week's show. Uh, T was on assignment, and I didn't feel right doing a show without T. Like, me doing a show without T is like Big Boy doing an album without Drake. Like, it could happen, but would y'all really care or pay attention? And I rock with Big Boy. He's dropped some cool albums, but I don't know if y'all would appreciate a Sir Lucius Left Foot Son of Chico Dusty from me. It's It's... It's cool when Dre is there or Killer Mike is there to substitute Dre, but with no Dre or Killer Mike, it's almost like it's it's really nah. I mean, I could have gave y'all a Big Grams album. What isn't that what it is? Big Grams, him and um, what's his name? Fantagram. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so sad yeah. that you like, I, look. I. <sighs> I, I'm a major big boy fan, but yeah. after they after the last concert, I stopped caring. Fantagram is his run the jewels, because people forget that that's another person in that. Like, it's like that's like CeeLo started this cool trend of them. It's like you know, hey, we can go be groups with other people and just change our name and think it's just us. Like you know, when CeeLo did Nas Barkley, and no one knew or cared who Danger Mouse was, but me, because yeah, I mean, Danger Mouse is dope. Um, and then you know. Killer Mike and ELP did Run the Jewels. And, you know, Big Boy's doing fancy grams. Dre gonna do that, but he gonna be the other guy. And it's gonna piss everybody off. He's gonna be the other guy. It's like he gonna be looking for Dre to be the lead. He gonna be the other guy. It's gonna be Dre and Danger Mouse. And Danger Mouse gonna be the guy on every track. I support Big Boy and Big Boy making music and feeding his family. But if it's not Outkast or Dungeon Family, I don't really care. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one way to look at it. But, you know, anyway, that was the Atlanta part of the Atlanta sports enthusiasts. So, for real Atlantans. For real Atlantans. Or ATLians, as we should say. There we go. There we go. There's no such thing as a hot lantern. If you call yourself that GTFOH. If you call yourself that, you're probably from, like, Alabama. You're probably from Milwaukee. Um, but, yeah, so... What we will do is talk about last week's game. So, the regular season happened. The regular season happened. We told y'all we weren't going to cover the last game of the preseason, and in so many ways, we proved ourselves yeah. right. For you're, why? You're welcome. For who? You're welcome. For why? You're welcome. Um, so, what we will do is we will talk about week one. We will talk about um, in tribute to Denny Green, um, who passed earlier this year. This week's episode is the They Are Who We Thought They Were episode. They are who we thought they were. Yeah. And we let them off the hook. We let them off the hook. If you want to crown them, crown their asses. It's Denny Green so when we put it. <laughs> hey, people don't give him the credit. He was an amazing coach. But um, the Falcons played the Bucks last week. The season started. And 6-10 and 10 is in pace. It's officially... We have started the journey to six and ten, people, and I know it's like, how dare you guys say this after one game? That was one game that showed us what the season could look like because of reasons, and we're going to go over that today. And from an ironic standpoint, to me, it looks like we're we're going six and ten, but it's going to be like if this is a thing, like the best six and ten teams. To ever go six and ten, they're gonna be up there, man. That's, that's what it looked like. Hey, um, a couple of them Cleveland Browns teams, like that Rod Trzeszynski Cleveland Brown team, is probably the best six and ten nah, team to go six nah. and ten. They were. This this Atlanta Falcons team will be the best six. The and best team ever that you ever seen in your life. <laughs> they're gonna have like seven Pro Bowlers <laughs> six and ten. Oh man, but um, Falcons lost that game. It's so real that I just mentally just forgot the score on purpose. It was like 24-27 or something like that. It was 31 Oh, yeah, 31-24. Yeah. Like, I just, I just, it was like, I knew they were going to lose. I just forgot the score. Well, see, I, I actually <laughs> predicted them to win the game. And that's more so, In know, the imaginary episode. Enthusiastic, pessimist, oh, enthusiastic, enthusiastic. Pessimist. Let's try to pronounce enthusiastic. Okay. Enthusiastic optimism. There we go. Is 
the reason why I predicted the Falcons would win that game. Yes. Uh, mainly because I thought we would be able to keep James Winston in check for the most part. Like, I didn't see the man having, like, four TDs. Two TDs, yeah, four TDs, no. But after watching the game and seeing how everything played out, when you don't have a pass rush, when your first-round pick and the savior or what's supposed to be the savior of your pass rush is basically getting his lunch money taken, yeah. play after play after play, then what do you expect? <sighs> Deep side is exactly. how I feel about that. Exactly. Um, deep side. What I found interesting about the game, and the reason why I jokingly called this that they are who we thought they were episode, problems that the Falcons have had since the dawn of Falcons continue to happen. They continue to miss tackles on defense. There were miscues in the secondary on defense. Um. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like you, you, it, I really don't know what to say anymore. Like, again, <laughs> they are who we thought they were. Right. The Atlanta Falcons, as a franchise throughout their history, have been, especially the last, let's say, post Super Bowl era Falcons. Yeah. Uh, they look like they. It's, it's like you constantly find yourself saying they should have won that game or they could have won that game. Yeah. If, you know, yeah. If if, if, if if it's and buts was candy and us, the Falcons will have three Super Bowls. Yes. Um, but it's it's one of those things where, I mean, I, I, I when we start breaking it down, I'm gonna have a lot more to say about it. But I'm, I, I it's not good that I'm spent already after week one. Like it's just week one. Like <laughs> we need started yet, man. Um, but I, I just I I feel. I feel interesting about this. I know, like, how do you feel interesting about this? Because it's, it's just starting. They have the Raiders coming in this week, and then right after that, they have the Monday night game against the Saints. And those three games, and then the Panthers coming in October 2nd. So two days before the birthday, two days before 30, I get to see them get dragged by the Panthers. Okay, so in other um, words, it's about to get real. Yeah. So, you know, and, and that's not even including I got the Broncos, Seahawks, and Chargers. Yeah, that's, so, that's not even like yeah, that far into the future. The right October now. West Coast trip is coming up very soon, people. Yeah, let's let's just, you know, focus on the Oakland game. Yeah. But before we focus on the Oakland game, uh the Tampa Bay game was it was it was it it, it showed you everything that we've been talking about. Outside of the fact that Matt Ryan had a vintage Matt Ryan game. But outside of that, it showed you everything that we've been talking about as far as the negatives and the positives and what we needed to improve on as far as taking that next step of trying to get to the playoffs. Exactly. So the things that we thought we were going to do well, like run the ball, we couldn't do well. Right. So I'm going to chalk that up to the combination of it being week one and some new um, NFL rules about shot blocking. Um, I think the offensive line and the coaching staff. But you have, and this is the thing, and I'm, I'm going to defend the preseason for a, a weird, I know, right? Mario defending the preseason, right. like the ultimate face turn. But that's what preseason is for. You know what I mean? Like you have four games, and that's the thing. When people talk about how week one is always sloppy and then go scream, they shouldn't have the preseason. Like, that's like saying. I don't know that they shouldn't have laws against speeding and then go scream, why did this person get hit by a car going 90 miles per hour in a 40 mile per hour zone? Like, it's there for a reason, man. It's levels. I mean, yeah, I I totally agree with you, but I will say this. There are 16 quarters in the preseason. True. Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman in the starting offensive line probably saw seven of those quarters. I mean, Maybe. if we talk about true time, they only saw two of those quarters. They probably only, like, they legit only play like, 15 minutes of true football. Well, probably 30 I mean, minutes. Because they, they, they played, like, yeah. like two, two full quarters. Right. Okay, so they played. Three full quarters that third game. But okay. the so other they saw, like, game 60 was, like, minutes of football. a couple series, maybe yeah. a quarter, depending on what yeah. we're talking about. But the point that I'm making is Tevin Coleman and, and uh, Devontae Freeman, 
didn't get much work in the preseason. Right. And I don't think that past this past game against Tampa Bay was more reflective of them, whether they had talent wise. I think it's just a reflection of where, where the O-line. scheme is yeah. and the O line is at this point in time. So right. I expect that it will improve dramatically even going into the next week. But it just it 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 was, it was, I'm going to say 50%, you know, just offensive line and scheme just not being there. And the other 50% of, like, Tampa Bay's front seven being vastly underrated by the media, by the fans, by the Atlanta Falcons themselves. Yeah. I, I think it was a combination of, of both. Um, folks, you got to see why uh, our new middle linebacker did not get to start until his senior season. Yes, yeah, exactly. Because that other guy that plays middle linebacker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was in front of him. Exactly. And you got to see why uh, this past week. Exactly. So that's not much of a knock on Deion Jones. They just to speak to how talented Kawan Alexander is. And, and all Falcons fans and enthusiasts will know from this moment for who could won that. Well, we should have known we last year. Know last year. Last year. Like, he had like two picks yeah. last year, and that was the, that was the game he dedicated to his father passing. Yeah, and he balled that game. People was like, "Well, he was just on the emotional high." No, the boy can just the, ball. The boy can ball, and then he could ball, and then was on an emotional yeah. high. If you want to give it that credit or credence, but no, that boy can yeah. play. I'm I'm going out on the limb from the the three games that I've got to watch him play against the Falcons yeah. thus far. Yeah, Luke Kuechly is one. Kawhi Alexander is is not far behind. That's fair to say yeah. because Sean Lee ain't never gonna stay healthy. So it's a good chance of saying yeah. he is the best, set, like you know, the second best middle linebacker. I mean, I, I ain't gonna go quite as far as to say the second best right now. I just mean like in the general over the course of the next few seasons. Like, mm-hmm. do not be shocked if people are talking about Kawhi Alexander in the same light that they talk about Luke Keekley right now. True. And, and then I'll, I'll even say that he looks a little better in coverage than Luke Keekley. Like Luke Keekley is a good cover linebacker, but he's more of a downhill sideline to sideline guy. Like he's great, you know, stopping the run. He's decent in coverage. He's better in coverage yeah. than most. Some some players may not be because we have a player who I'm about to talk about later when we get um, talking about the defense. We have a player that's not necessarily great in coverage or great in man-to-man or great at particular uh, one particular phase of the game on defense, but the guy make plays, and that's uh, Ishmael. Yeah, Kamal Ishmael. Kamal Ishmael makes plays. Yeah. So you, you might see him getting beat every now and then in coverage. You might see him... Uh, Get pancaked by a fullback every now and then. Yeah. So he, I'm not gonna go ahead and say he's a great player, but he makes plays. He's the idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Kamal Ishmael is the guy when they drafted him and brought him in. That's the idea that you want from everybody. Yeah. The effort. Like yeah. Kamal Elford is maximum effort. Like he gives you the effort. He's always around the play. Like it was, you know, yeah, he was, you know, the guy in coverage on a couple of those bad passes and bad plays. Like he still don't look that comfortable in coverage. But when you think about how Marquan Manuel is the secondary coach, which you reminded me of, because I'm like, I know who it is, but I just can't think of it. And we started talking about it, and then after a while, it just clicked. Like, oh snap, it is Marquan Manuel. Yeah, the, the guy who's responsible. For- of, of of tutoring or teaching, I should say, tutoring. Yeah. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons uh, secondary is a former safety who couldn't cover himself. Exactly. So I mean, I'm not saying you got to know how to cover it helps. in order to be a coach, but if you actually play <laughs> the exact, it's like it's different when you were a linebacker or an offensive lineman and you were a secondary coach, right? Or you didn't play the game at all as far right. as a professional level. But this is a whole other story of like being a uh, a running back coach and you suck as a running back. Right. Like, you know, yeah, I wasn't a great big when I played basketball in high school, but I probably wanted the better big man. I'm a pretty good big man coach, but yeah. I can coach guards. So the thing is, 
know you got to know the game enough yeah. to coach. And yeah. I, I, I don't feel like Marquand May will understand because like, when you look at every his, touchdown, his players aren't making him look too good, right? Right. When you look at every touchdown, when you look at the passing touchdowns, the guys were there, but that's not a credit to the coach or the scheme. That's a credit to having the fast guys. So we saw the speed on the field that Dan Quinn kept talking about. The thing about the speed was when you have speed and don't know what to do, you look like the Raiders four years ago. And that's what the Falcons are starting to look like in that secondary. Right. They starting, and I'm real familiar with that because my side piece is the Raiders. For those who don't know, so you know they starting to really look like that team in Oakland that I just said. You no, know, it's like I deal with them because of reasons. I deal with the Falcons because I ain't gonna get into that right now. But they looking like that. It's funny how the Raiders are coming into town when the Falcons look like the Raiders and the Raiders look like the fake Seahawks. <laughs> and the Falcons are supposed to like the fake Seahawks. Yeah. But but right now the Raiders exactly. But the Raiders are really looking like the fake Seahawks while the Falcons are looking like the fake Raiders. So with all that being said, uh, what was the biggest reason in your eyes that we did not come out of that game with a W? <sighs> okay, run game is up there. But me personally it was the defense. Like, the defense cost them that game. Like, missed tackles. Like, you know, the Charles Sims play is the new Jameis Winston play. So now they have two games against the, like, Bucks, Yeah. Where they showed you how bad they are at tackling. And it was almost the exact same thing. Just switch some pieces around. Like, you know, Charles Sims juked a couple of safeties. And, you know... Somebody could have made the play. Ricardo Allen was close to making the play, but then good old Jonathan Flabino, yeah, that's his new name for when those. Yeah, he went Jonathan in through the night. He threw like the nicest block I ever seen. Yeah, it was almost like when Tyson Jackson blocked Vic Beasley for making that tackle. But real talk, the way Vic Beasley be playing sometimes, I don't think he would have made that tackle anyway. Um, but it, it's just things like that, and then you know being in this, being in the spot, but still getting beat. And then just no one looking good in coverage and still rushing forward and getting no pressure. Like, it's things like that. Like, when you're so, when you have a good system, but you don't have the personnel to truly run your system and you're too bullheaded or stubborn to make small modifications to better work into your system, that is what happens. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, but I think the biggest reason why we lost that game to me is the run game. Uh, yeah. If you get the run game going, that one, you know, helps your defense out because right. it keeps them off the field for longer periods, for longer stretches of time. Right. Um, and it also helps out your quarterback in the whole game flow. So I think if we were able to get the run game established, the results would have been a little bit different because as, as much crap as I talk about number two. Right. Number two did what you expect him to do on the positive side. I mean, he managed. Matt Ryan managed the game. He, he managed I, I, I'll say he did a little bit more than managed the game. Okay, so he executive... He executive mm-hmm. producer. Yeah, game. he executive producer. <laughs> like, let's be, what did Matt Ryan do? He executive producer. He's CEO of the game. Like, we'll call it that. He's CEO of the president. He presided over the game. That's what he did. Because he didn't look bad. Like, it wasn't Matt Ryan's fault. And I know so many of you guys just gasped and, you know, just slammed your brakes really hard or dropped whatever, you know, mug you had in your hand and you just realized who Kaiser Sose was. But the point is, it wasn't Matt Ryan's fault. Get over it. I said it. Frame it. It's recorded, so it's in history. It was not game one of the 2016-2017 season was not Matt Ryan's fault. It's not Matt. It's definitely not Matt Ryan's fault. Yeah. But I, I, I'm gonna spin it this way. What we saw was vintage Matt Ryan. And to some people, that's a good thing, and to some people, that's a bad thing. It's yeah. It's one of those things of how you take it. It's the ultimate, you know, glass empty, glass full argument. Yeah, because he made some plays, and he was able to uh, it, it looked like he was a lot more comfortable in the offense as far as the passing game goes at times yeah um, the issue with Matt Ryan this particular past this particular past week if you're going to have any issues with him is the same thing you could say any week whether he had a good game or a bad game 
his inability to get the ball deep downfield, yeah. uh, being off target. Uh, like he 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 throws in the vicinity of receivers yeah. more so than throwing in the perfect position to where like they can catch and run with the ball. Like little stuff like that. It's, yeah. it's things that you notice, but it's not like the biggest issue until right. that's what prevents you from winning the game. It, that's not what prevented us from winning this past. It wasn't. It was real apparent on the one target that Justin Hardy had. Yeah. And it was like when you think about it, Justin Hardy's probably the one guy on the team with the smallest catch radius. And when you think outside about Nick outside Nick Wayne, but Nick Wayne is on the practice squad. Did they bring him to the main no, roster? He, he, I don't know if he dressed the game or not, but he's not on the practice squad. Okay. JD and Kizzy on the practice squad. JD, okay, so he did make the cut because yeah. I could have swear they cut Nick oh, Wayne. Oh, you know what? They did cut yeah, Nick Wayne. Yeah, they cut Nick Wayne. They cut Nick Wayne to pick up Gabriel. Yeah. Gabriel yeah. was the one that probably didn't dress. Yeah, because I was like, yeah, I could have swear they cut Nick Wayne. Yeah, they did. Um, but yeah, it, it's still just, you know, with even him, Gabriel now, like, you know, that Renard Hankerson guy who's supposed to be your fast guy, like, who pretty much is just going to run the dummy route because Matt Ryan is not going to throw that downfield. I'm sorry. I just I mean, don't see it. If he, if he may throw it, but it's going to be a lot pass. It's going to be a whoop. Yeah, <laughs> Matt Ryan does throw the oop. He, he, he throws some nice oops. He throws the oop. If he were Chris Paul, but um, yeah, I promise we're gonna talk about the Hawks eventually. I do. Yeah, we we will. It's just not a lot to talk about right now. But anyway, back to the Falcons. Um, that is a true point. But there was one thing that they did do on offense that made Matt Ryan look like a superstar. Or well, not even a superstar, but just, you know, good old Matt Ryan. And that was the no huddle. When they went hurry up, they looked like, you know, it was like, oh, snap, I remember this guy. This is the guy out of Boston College that everyone hyped up on. And we both have interesting stances on this. Yeah. I'm going to yield the floor and let you open with your reasonings on why the Falcons should not go back to the days of the hurry up offense and I am going to take the I am going to take the other side of this argument. Go ahead. Okay. You. So this is like the number one topic among the fan base right now about the Falcons running more, no huddle more, hurry up offense because Matt Ryan looks or is. Now I'm not even gonna say look, Matt Ryan is a lot more confident. Mm, yeah. He seems to be a lot more confident. And the Falcons seem to move the ball in the passing game a lot better when they're in no huddle slash hurry up. But in doing that, you have to realize a couple things. First off, uh, just because Matt Ryan is more comfortable in the no huddle, that don't mean the other 10 players on the field are more comfortable, specifically those fat guys that block for Matt Ryan. Right. Like, the difference between, say, a Chip Kelly offense and a no huddle offense, even though I'm pretty sure the Falcons practice no huddle, that's not what they do 24 right. 7, 365. That's what a Chip Kelly team does. 24 7, 365. So they are conditioned to do that. And not just that, speaking of conditioning, you got to think about the defense as well. If you are a zone run slash power run scheme team and your emphasis is playing tough defense and running the football when you need to run the football, right. that's not conducive to that brand of football. Uh, uh, it's an article out uh, that uh, where I just saw the title of the article. It has something to do with Dan Quinn saying that that's not really what they're built to do as a team. I didn't even have to read the article because I know exactly what he means when he says that. He wants to play a, a, a tougher, slower-paced brand of football that's conducive to uh, the defense being strong. And it's hard to do that. Even if you put it up 28, 30 points, running the no huddle or on and off in key situations running the no huddle, that still puts your defense on the field a lot. So are, are the Falcons gonna win shootouts? We didn't, we didn't, we, okay, we won more shootouts in 2011, 2012 than we ever did, but that still wasn't good enough. Yeah. We had Tony G, Julio Roddy, Michael Turner. We don't have that kind of personnel now. Right. So in my opinion, should we run the, the no huddle in certain situations? Yes. But should that be a, a main go-to for the Falcons? I don't think so. I think that in order in order to get that desired result that we're looking for in the passing game, we just got to be a little more um, creative. And I saw that, in my opinion. I saw that. They had a lot of plays 
which, which we really didn't see Tevin Coleman and Freeman on the field at the same time last year. But this past week, you they saw. tried to work both of them on the field. Yeah, you saw Devontae a wide receiver a few times. Yeah, you yeah. saw them split Freeman yeah. out or or uh, go to two back sets. Yeah. So I think they're, they're marching toward where they need to be on offense is just getting everything to flow together. All right, I, I definitely feel you on that, and you, I, I see that. And to that, I say there's a way, in my opinion, that they can still protect the defense, they can still set up the run, and they can still make Matt Ryan look useful. And I feel like the hurry up is the primary can kind of do it for that. And the reason why I say that, it allows Matt Ryan to use what Matt Ryan had that got Matt Ryan drafted third overall. And it wasn't the fact that he was, quoted the best quarterback available in that draft. It wasn't that. It was the, I remember me and you were watching draft. Like we've been doing this for a long time. Like ASC was a show way before it was a show. Like we would literally stay at my house for the draft weekend. That's back when the draft would start on Saturday and end on Sunday. It would be overnighters at my crib. T, my cousin Yende, and myself would literally just go buy wings and pizza and alcohol and then just sit around and watching the draft while we was waiting on our name to get called. We would do that. We'd break down the draft. Those were good times. It's, it, it was good times, but it was bad times. Not to interrupt you, but it's funny how like nobody is around still from the drafts. Exactly. But yeah, continue. but yeah, it was just the, the experience was cool. We we'd sit and watch the whole draft. We'd have live reactions. I remember we almost like pulled my TV off the wall when Matt Ryan got drafted. Yeah. Um, because the saying was, if McFadden's gone, draft Jake Long, and boy, were we wrong about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I can look back and say we were wrong about that. Yeah. Um, but what I will say, um. I'll say this about Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is one of the smarter quarterbacks in the NFL when he is comfortable. And Matt Ryan, I see why they came up with Matty Ice. And it, it has all to do with his mental mindset. It has nothing to do with his physical. Like, Matt Ryan is not Joe Montana. And when people heard that nickname, they instantly thought Joe Montana. Matt Ryan is more Jim Kelly than Joe Montana. And this is what I mean by that. What made Jim Kelly so special, he had that ridiculously strong arm, but he had the ability to call an offense on the fly. Like, what made the K-Gun so special, and it's funny how we talk about this, and the Bills lost four straight Super Bowls, but still, what made, what made, and you, that I think about it, Marv Levy probably should have listened to you. <laughs> but when you think about it, that's what made that Bills offense so dope because Jim Kelly would call it on the fly. Defenses would not have time to set up or prepare. And they technically were kind of a power run system in a way. They could air the ball out because they had a quarterback that could get the ball downfield and name the other receiver on the other side of Andre Reid. Thurman Thomas? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's literally the same thing in Atlanta right now. <laughs> Mohamed Sanu is automatically better than whoever played on the other side of Andre Lee. This point break, because I, I don't know. If you know, good for you. That's all I can say. And if you are the guy, I'm sorry. Was it was it BB? No, BB played defense. I don't know. I'm gonna be real. I don't know. Some random like white guy. It was BB then. Some random white guy. I think it was like Daryl BB then. I don't know. Or Dave BB. It was I, BB. I do not know. I'm gonna say BB. You're asking the wrong person. I'm gonna say BB for a thousand. Um, but anyway, let's let's just looking at that offense. Atlanta did not run the K gun or the R gun because Matt Ryan, yeah, Matt Ryan doesn't have a cannon of all. He doesn't have a gun. He doesn't have a you gun. You need a gun to run the gun, right? Yeah. But what Matt Ryan did, he had the mindset of how to see that offense quickly, and that is that is a gift. Now, to have the arm to get it there is the other part of that gift that Matt Ryan apparently doesn't have, but he could see it. Um, which means he's going to be the greatest offensive coordinator ever when he finally retires. Um, 
But I say all that to say that the reason why I think the, you know, hurry up or even if they start going soft huddle would help the Falcons is because it might allow the running backs, which are one cut running backs, to have an advantage, even with an offensive line that is not ideal for the type of system that they run. I think it helps them out because if you can just let your O-line fall on people and just being tired and you got guys that can find the lane off that one cut and probably pick up like six, seven yards, I think that helps the run game until they can figure out how to get these guys in a real system. Like if they just go run the fuck, because that's pretty much, you know, what zone blocking is. You just fall on the guy in front of you. Like when you think it's, about it's it. It's moving them to the left or moving them to right. the right or like cut blocking. Right. It's so basically pushing them out, it's, pu- yeah. pushing them out of they, the lane they hope to Yeah, in. and you just kind of open up gaps yeah, for the running back to find the place to run. It's finesse washing off the line instead yeah. of power washing. Yeah, so I think if you start going more, you know, soft huddle, hurry up with the personnel we have, it might open up the run a little bit more. I'm not saying run it the whole play or run it you know, run it the whole game or run it, you know, consecutively through a drive. But instead of going check down all the time, because Matt Ryan does a lot of check downs. Instead of forcing Matt to have to do these check downs, let him run the hurry up and see how the defense reacts to it. Because he was real good at doing it. He could set up, he could put people in the right spot and he could pick a defense apart that way. And it also helped because he had the guys that can make the catches. We'll find out if they have the guys that can make all the catches. But if they run that West Coast hurry up, because the passing game is pretty much a West Coast passing game. I I, I see that now. Yeah. And it's because of, you know, shenanigans. Good old Kyle shenanigans. Um, that is set that way. When Matt Ryan can look like Matt Ryan, he looks like Matt Ryan. That is... That's why I said vintage Matt Ryan. Yeah, and that's, you know, what I mean. Then you know when Matt Ryan can look like Matt Ryan, he looks like Matt Ryan. Take right. that, take that right. for whatever you take it right, for. Right, right. Totally yeah, it just you know I say it because people are like that don't even make sense. No, it makes perfect, it makes perfect sense. sense. Like it's it's take that how you take it because you're gonna feel like Matt Ryan is polarizing. You either feel good about Matt Ryan or bad about Matt Ryan. Yeah, it's, it's not much in between. Yeah, it's just that's it. So when Matt Ryan can be Matt Ryan, he looks like Matt Ryan. Take it for what you want to take it for. Um... And I feel like if you add more of that to the offense, it allows the defense to be confused. There was no defensive confusion against the Bucks because they knew they could stop the run. And running that play action zone read that they kept doing is stupid because Matt Ryan is not a threat to run at all. So that that is, but it's it's at least it's not the traditional bootleg anymore. It's it's like okay, let's put Matt Ryan in the shotgun and let him fake the handoff to Devontae so he can see the blitz coming. So that you see what I'm saying? That that's when you have hard headed guys designing stuff. That's what happens. Yeah, so when yeah. Kyle Shanahan is so hard headed, I'm still gonna get my bootlegs and play actions in this, even though your run game ain't working. That's a sign that you got two guys that don't need to be in in, in Atlanta. In Atlanta, and one of those guys needs to go. Or you need Do to you let Matt Ryan. Between Shanahan and Quinn, or yes. Shanahan and Ryan. Shanahan and Quinn. Okay. Because I mean, I'm gonna say this: Matt Ryan looked good under Mike Malarkey and under Dirk Cotter. He, he did. Matt Ryan looked good Sunday. Yeah, but that's ironically enough against Dirk Cotter. Like, Dirk Cotter was still there. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm almost convinced Dirk Cotter was calling Matt Ryan's plays at certain points because it was like, dang, he looked like he looked under you, Dirk Cotter. I'm going to give you a different perspective. You, you know why Matt Ryan looked good Sunday? Because he actually, for the first time ever in his life, looked good throwing on the run. He did. He did. That that that's the main portion of the passing game that had not been there outside of, you know, throwing in the middle of the field. Because that's still not really there yet. Yeah. But on the run, on the, you know, play action bootlegs. Right. He looked a lot more accurate in his passing. He looked a lot going more comfortable the and yeah. going on the run, etc. Yeah. Et he, he did. had at any point 
outside maybe the Carolina game. Yeah, but see, is that more so, okay, is it development or necessity is what I'm trying to figure out. Because if, we'll if, you, if your OC is like, hey, you've been this standstill statue of a quarterback for majority of your career, how about you run around? Like, well, what? See, that's what it's. But see, it's, his his that's the system. His system is right. moving side to side. Right. Line move one way. You move another, another way. way. Right. In yeah. this direction stuff. Yeah. But this is my thing. Peyton Manning was in this system in Denver. Yeah. One year it looked really good. One year it looked really bad. So see, I think the one year it looked really bad is because I personally feel like Peyton Manning. Like his his skill set like deteriorated really fast. I mean, was it really fast? Was it or was it on pace? Because I mean, he got the nah, neck surgery. Right, and, it was, but no, because he went from like an all time great season to the next season looking like okay, so should you start? Like Brock Osweiler, like it was a question. Yeah, if he yeah. managed to was, start over. Brock. Yeah. Hey man, the Brock, the the Brock was, that the truth, was, was just like I don't know if he, I don't know if it was a re injury or something, but his skills for whatever reason deteriorated from one all season to the to the season. I mean, because from that Super Bowl on, he was throwing ducks. Yeah. It was like, you know, when you watch the Seahawks Super Bowl, that was like, what, 48 or 49? I forget oh, numbers. It was 49. It was 48. Okay, yeah. my bad. It was Super Bowl 48. So when you look at Super Bowl 48, and look at how he was out there throwing ducks against the Seahawks. Um, yeah, like the first play was literally a duck. Well, the first play was a fumble handoff. But when you looked at the pass after that, he was throwing ducks. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, Peyton Manning in that Super Bowl yeah. and then a lot of the seasons after looked like Matt Ryan last year. Yeah, and okay, so this, this is my thing. Is Matt Ryan going towards... All-time great Peyton Manning season? No. Or is Matt Ryan going towards better ingredients, better pizza? This is why I left the game. Peyton <laughs> He's definitely not going toward all-time great. But okay. what what he what I'm gonna say is, he, could he be keeping a steady pace of being just good enough? Okay. To you not want to choke him around the field and like yeah. beat him up, okay. or you know go on to do a Papa Johnson marches. Like I think that still yet remain to be seen. Okay. But week one was a good step in the right direction as far as that goes. All right, I, I, I can I can accept that. Um, and what we will do, let's go ahead and take a quick break. We we'll take a quick one. Like we've been in for like a good almost half an hour already so um, let's take a quick break we're going to talk about this upcoming week um yeah because we, we've covered this past week as much as we can like i mean we could talk about special teams we could talk about that true front pick that he find like he's finally showed some hands didn't he though hands hands finally after how many yeah anyway good job true like real talk good job somebody else can talk about Let's just go to break. Yeah, let's go. I, I can talk about we get, we guys get. who showed hands that we didn't think had hands all day. Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Tevin Coleman showed he's not hands of stone like Roberto Duran. That's what's up. Um, so, with that being said, we're going to really go to break now. You are listening to the ASE, a Cast Off Studios presentation. What up, everybody? It's a girl, Dr. Rumble. Be sure to check me out each and every day. And we are back. Thank you for staying with us. This is the ASE, a Cast Off Studios presentation. And before we went to the break, um, we made jokes about Tevin Coleman's Hands of Stone. Um, but more so importantly, we talked about this upcoming week as the Falcons take on my side piece, the Oakland Raiders. This is real interesting. This is like when your main chick and your side piece meet and they get to fighting. We, yeah. we, we going to see. <laughs> we going to see which one. We gonna see. This should be a game. Now we're going to talk about that in a second. But... I'm really excited to see this game, aside from who's going to be in town. Um, I think this is a good matchup for the Falcons because this is a good mirror match before they play Seattle in two weeks. Or yeah. three weeks, actually, I think. So this is a real good... Is it three weeks? Let me see. They got Saints, 
Saints. I'm up in Seattle and Carolina or Carolina and Seattle. No, it's yeah. Oh, Denver. No, Denver is in Arizona. Denver. Denver and then Seattle. So it's, it's a good test before they play the Seahawks in like two or three weeks. Um, I'm gonna let you start first because I, I could go for a while about this, and I don't want to you know go too too right. heavy. So well, things that you can look for uh, this upcoming week or um, last week, Oakland played um, the, the Aints. The Aints. They was able to come back and pull out a victory. Um, in a very high-scoring game. Yeah. And in my estimation, considering what the Falcons' woes are on defense and considering what the um, Raiders' woes are on defense, I, I look for another high-scoring game. So if you got Derek Carr or Julio Jones or Amari Cooper. Start him. Start him. Start him. This is a start him. Start him. For, for those three players. But, uh... Interesting matchups. Uh, Sean Smith, the newly signed corner out of Kansas City, was the uh, him and Reggie Nelson were the big, uh, and Bruce Irvin, yeah, were all the big free agent acquisition for the Raiders this past offseason. And that kind of lines up very interesting with what the Falcons want to do. Uh, and that's get Julio the ball, yeah, um, and also get Muhammad Sanu the ball, but. Considering all of that, you got two big receivers going against some big corners. Yeah, like Raiders probably have one of the bigger secondaries in the NFL and one of the more physical secondaries in the NFL. Yeah. Um, only second to the team that they modeled their system after, which ironically enough is a team that the Falcons modeled their system after because ironically enough, again, the defensive coordinator for the Oakland Raiders is one Ken Naughton Jr., yeah, so we're going to really get to see like where the Falcons are on defense because we're going to see a team that has better personnel than what the Falcons have. They have what the Falcons need, so to speak. Like the Falcons have, like we joked about this when we were doing the setup for the show, that the Raiders look like Seattle light and the Falcons look like Oakland light. And that's, that's yeah. kind of what it feels yeah, like. Yeah, on, on paper. Yeah. We're going to see what happens during the game. But on paper, that's exactly what it looks like. Uh, between one to little Mac, we can just start right there. Right. Um, probably the next, like, that's that's probably the guy uh, J.J. Watt is passing the torch to as far as, like, the best defensive player in the NFL. Um, um, he's, he plays right defensive end. So, Jake Matthews, week two. <laughs> you going to learn today, you, bro. Like, uh, Jake Matthews allowed a one sack all of last year. Uh, trust me when I tell you <laughs> that uh, whatever you feel about Jake Matthews, be it negative or positive, you're going to be, like, asserted in that position after this game. I mean, right now, I'm going to go ahead and take the stance to pray for Jake Matthews. Yeah. Just pray for Jake Matthews because it's going to be real. Like, it's going to be real. They're going to stack them, too. They're going to double stack, like, you know, Khalil Mack and Bruce Irvin on one side just to see what happens. I I know it's coming. Considering Ryan Schrader is on the other side, they might. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But with that being said, um, those are the matchups I'm looking forward to this upcoming week. Uh, Jake Matthews versus Khalil Mack. Uh, Sean Smith versus Julio Jones. Yeah, because they don't move their corners around a lot. And, you know, I could see them probably putting Julio on the other side yeah. just to avoid I, that I, matchup. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it depends on how it goes, like, the first couple drives. Um, the coaching staff, whether I have faith in him or not, the coaching staff has faith in Muhammad Sanu. So I, I think it's going to be a very interesting week Yeah, as far as – us projecting how the rest of the season is going to go, seeing how we have some tough matchups coming after. This right. is a tough matchup. This is a real tough matchup. And uh, I'm going to say this before I let you talk more about it. Uh, Derek Carr is legit, folks. Been told you. Um, Derek Carr is to Oakland, to me, what Matt Ryan was to the Falcons going into his second, third year right. in the league. Right. Um, he just, in my opinion, he just has 
uh, more talent. Like just more just general guy given talent than what Matt Ryan has. Yeah, I mean the ability to move would, would be the and main the thing. Stronger arm. Yeah, and the arm is stronger. The arm is a lot stronger. Um, talking about the Raiders and not forgetting that I'm a Falcons enthusiast. Okay, how can we do this? Let's try it like this. Um, I say in regards to Derek Carr, my analogy for Derek Carr is Derek Carr is to the NFL as Aaron Rodgers was to the NFL about four or five years ago. Like I see that as being the trajectory for Derek Carr because of the style of quarterback he is. And then, you know, Reggie McKenzie knowing how to look for that type of quarterback. Yeah. I, I give him that. Um, when you talk about the Raiders on offense, the Raiders on offense are literally a carbon copy of what the Falcons were on offense about four years ago. Like, they have their veteran receiver in Michael Crabtree, who is the bigger Roddy White. They have the future of the receiving core in Amari Cooper, which is the smaller Julio Jones. The only thing that I'll edge him on and I say this because he needs the help, and I think they're finally starting to get the guys around to do that, is Latavius Murray is the other running back. Like They need a primary running back to Latavius Murray, you know, being the two, to being the, I don't want to say situational back, but he's the change of pace guy. Like, they need another guy, either need, like, a true bruiser or, you know, a true speed guy. Because, like, Latavius Murray is, like, a middle-of-the-pack running back. He's, like, a bigger scat back. And the Raiders have always had big scat backs. He's the new Tyrone Weed. He's, like, Darren McFadden if Darren McFadden went to a smaller school and didn't get all the publicity that he got. And that's exactly what Latavius Murray is. Um... But it works. He's a, he's a really good running back. It's just he would be – he could probably be the home run guy if they had a guy that could set the tone a little differently on offense for them because yeah. he has that ability. But he can catch it. He can run with it. He's a decent blocker. He's almost like big Devontae Freeman. But I still get Devontae, the, you know, the vision edge and the size edge, of course. But um, – on offense, I look for them to cause problems for the for the Falcons at the middle. The middle linebacker core of the Falcons is going to really get tested because their front four isn't going to be able to help a lot because the Raiders have one of the more slept on offensive lines in the NFL. Yeah. Like um, people don't realize how good their offensive line is. Yeah, the offensive line has gotten a lot better. And they, yeah, and they went and uh, picked up a couple of guys in uh, free agency. Yeah, Asamele. I think, uh, I think they picked him up from the Ravens, I believe. Yes. And um, Donald Penn, former Tampa, Tampa Bay, Bay left tackle. Yeah. Uh, those guys are pretty good. So yeah. that 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 side of the, the line, uh, I can see us having issues with getting a rush because we have an issue getting a rush anyway. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think the key for us to win this game is to do exactly what we could not do last week. Run the football. Yes, run the football. You gotta run the football. If the Falcons are not able to run the football this week, it's gonna be a blowout. Yeah, I mean, they, they're going to have to slow the game down. Like, that's the only chance they have of winning, being able to run the football, because if you put the ball in Matt Ryan's hands too much, especially if you're not going to run the hurry up, this would be one of those weeks where I, I'm, I'm torn because I see how running the hurry up against a younger defense could help a veteran offense. But at the same time, you're going to put a younger defense on the field against a faster offense, yeah. which I, I don't think is a good idea. Yeah, you, you got to run the ball to prolong the, the offense being on the field right. and the defense for the opposing team. Yeah, you got to play keep away. And, not, and you can't get down. No. You get down, they they have some guys that can rush the pass. Boy. Right. I mean, the, I, I, if the Falcons get down by more ten, it's not gonna be like last week. Nah. Because if the Falcons get down by ten or more, they're at that point they're gonna be in trouble. Yeah, because I mean, you know, one thing that they do in Oakland, they let the dogs loose. Like they they rush four because they can do it with four, but when they start sending five or six because they, they do it or they actually send more guys because Ken Norton Jr. is the crazy version of Dan Quinn because um, he was like the linebacker coach in Seattle so Ken Norton he was a linebacker coach in Seattle and when he first got to Oakland he was the linebacker coach in Oakland I believe before he took the D.C. job yeah. but um 
Ken Norton Jr. and then him being a former linebacker and just really having that, you know, yeah. Yeah. They're going to send him. Yeah, so the keys to victory, as we stated, Falcons have to run the football and run the football successfully. Right. But even if it's not going the way you wanted it, though, they're going to have to run the ball still just to keep uh, the defense off his toes. Yeah. And to keep our defense off the field for a long period of time. Because you don't, I don't really trust the other option, the other alternative is still deep. But, you know, because, I mean, Julio, if, if we're going to go, you know, in that matchup, I give Julio the edge because Sean Smith is fast, but Julio is faster. Yeah, Sean Smith is fast and, for his size. Yeah, for like, a, for like a 6'2", 6'3", corner, Sean Smith is fast. But the other thing about Sean Smith, Sean Smith is stiff in coverage. Like, I, I noticed this when he played in Miami. I noticed this when he went to Kansas City. That's the reason why the Dolphins didn't even bother bringing him back, because he was stiff in coverage. Yeah. And then when he was in Kansas City, I think he was injured. And then when he came back, he was a little bit more stiff in coverage. Like, he is the better version of the, what was it, the Jawan Bowman, Al Harris. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jawan Bowman, Al Harris type corners. miss Jawan Bowman. Jawan Bowman. Jawan Bowman would be real nice right now. Jawan Bowman would be real nice right now. Bring him back to be the coach of like you know Jalen Collins, <laughs> or bringing Al Harris That's to be not yeah. A bad idea. Since y'all like, and he can't play because he's too old. So he'd be like the same way y'all brought in Brian Coach just to coach Rashid, Brian Cox to coach. Say that three times fast. Brian Cox to coach Rasheed Hagerman. Um, bring in Jer- you know Jerron Bolden or you know Al Harris. Uh, some six foot two guy with dread. One of them old school dreadhead press corners. Yeah. To go and coach because Richard Sherman's still playing. Yeah. So, you know, you can't do what you did in the offseason with Keanu Neal. Where's Rasheed Mathis? What is Rasheed Mathis? I'm surprised he's really not. Well, you know, he would have been well, in the, I know in the he old did system. Last year, but yeah. I got a feeling that he's not there anymore. But he still might be there because I think, um, what's the dude named Chris Houston still in Detroit? Chris, no. Chris Houston's actually, I think, having a great career in Detroit. In comparison to what he did in Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. Like, Chris Houston looks like the guy that the Falcons thought he was. Not, not to get too far off something, yeah. but that's that's a, a good point that you can, because I've been saying that during the offseason. Like, I felt like the Falcons needed to bring in, like, a veteran corner, not necessarily to play a lot of snaps, yeah. but kind of just a guy that could play. Like, if you needed him to play, say, 20 snaps, yeah. you could be confident in him playing those 20 snaps, but more so to be a, a tutor. But who, and as far as the system, because there wasn't anybody fun. available, though. That's I mean, the thing. It wasn't to, to run what they want to I, run. I see who all was available to run who they what they want to run. They didn't have a guy for that because it's like you have to teach press, and you know it's, it's not a lot of active press corners in the NFL anymore because of how the game is played. Like you know they've kind of made it I where you can slowly but not fast enough. I think it's coming around. Um, but they could have used like the same role Asante Samuel had. Yeah, he would have been good. Yeah. Years ago, would be a good role for. That's a Robinson's out the league, ain't he? Like. Yeah, but he's still he? not quite the, the kind of corner. I mean, because True Fun is is a really good corner, and I think he's a solid press corner. But he's better than man coverage. Right. He's pressing. Right. And Jalen Collins is pretty much strictly a press corner. Uh, Robert Alford, on the other hand, is not a press corner. No. Uh, so I think bringing in a guy even if it was just a veteran guy somebody that was like you know a middle of the road kind of player um, but that was good and crest with it would have helped a lot in developing that style of play in the secondary that Dan Quinn liked right but uh, to get back to what we expect from this game um From the perspective of the defense for the Falcons, uh, speaking of press coverage, the Oakland Raiders have some. Uh, they're, they're big in comparison to the average wide receivers. Right. Uh, Mari Cooper, probably 6'1, 6'2, 210 pounds. Um, Michael Crabtree, 6'2, 6'3. Probably weighs about the same. Um, that's Oakland is a very physical team. They are. Jack Barrio being the head coach, that's what you expect from a Jack Barrio team. Yeah, exactly. Considering the type of coach he is, considering that the scheme that he's adapted. Like the Oakland Raiders 
philosophy-wise are the exact mirror of what the Falcons are. Exactly. So this is going to be a game that really gauges the team, Dan Quinn, Kyle Shanahan, and Richard Smith as coaches. Mm-hmm. Like, this is going to be a, ga- a great gauge for the rest of the season. So I'm looking forward to it. Exactly. I'm currently trying to see if I can find anyone that was available still according to Yahoo Sports. I mean, because you look at it right now, Jalen Thomas has been in four weeks. Yeah. And we have, we're trying out uh, Robert Offer. Right. I have been talking to Sam, True Fun, and then Brian Poole, who was an undrafted for it. Right. So. And Brian Poole actually started last week. Which yeah. Was crazy. So, but Brian Poole is a solid, he, he, he had a solid game considerably. Okay. He's like Paul Warlow the secondary right now. Okay. An undrafted guy. Yeah. Who made the team unexpected. Yeah. So, all right. Um, there is one guy, and it, it makes all the sense, but it's one of those. At, at that point, you would be doing three things. I have one question. I'm, I think I'm about to predict who you're going to say. Yes. Are you about to say Antonio Kamara? No, Antonio Kamara. Uh, he's already been picked up. Already, right. No, Antonio Kamara was gone. It's, it's, it's funny. It's not Antonio Kamari. Um, I'll give you hints, though. He is a press corner. He is very familiar with the system as well as the division. Does that answer it for you? Artemis? Yes. Brandon Brown? Brandon Brown. And the thing is, <laughs> is, are we at that point? It's almost like picking up Brandon Browner is like picking up the ugly chick at last call. And are we at the point already in week two where it's 2.35 in the morning and we looking around like um, who's in here are we at that point yet because me personally I feel like we started the season at that point like, I think we need the ugly chick because the ugly chick has value the ugly chick has been around the ugly chick has a Super Bowl ring in this system and the ugly chick could show Jalen Collins a thing or two I would agree with that statement. It's just Brandon Browner is at the point in his career where he completely sucks as a point. But is that because he was not in his system? Like when he went back to Seattle, he ain't have it. Like real talk, Brandon Browner needs to probably be playing linebacker. Like and, from, and from I, what I've been seeing. Like yeah, yeah. I, I get that from, from a physicality standpoint. Yeah. But me personally, if I'm a coach and Brandon Browner is on my roster, I'm putting him in safety. And that, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Like, I mean, but the thing is, I, I, I at least have the workout. Yeah. I at least work him out just to see what's there. And I see what can he bring to this defense. Because, again, it's a guy that is very familiar with this defense to a point where he has gotten other jobs based on what he did in that defense. That, that's a and, 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 and when you think about it, it makes sense because he does know the division. Like, you know, he spent time in, you know, and, and any anyone that spends time in New Orleans is bound to have their life destroyed. Like, just point blank. Like, you know, Brandon Browner had his life destroyed by beignets and Fat Tuesday and, you know, eating alligator and all that other good stuff. And then, you know... And everybody thinking Kenny McCarr was legit. Right, exactly. Because he was left where he was, ooh, he was on islands. Yeah. I mean, Kenny McCarr, in my personal opinion, is the most overrated quality safety in the entire NFL. He is the new LeBron Landry. I don't even know if LeBron Landry. Yeah. Yes, yeah. he is the new yeah. Ron Landry yeah. because Ron Landry was, you know, and it's like yeah, exactly. Bob and Sanders is eligible for the Hall of Fame for some reason. Right? Because he's Bob Sanders and he's been retired that long. But what did Bob Sanders do? Bob Sanders was a very good knock you out tiny free safety for like two years. Though. No, for longer than two years. Okay, four years. Though. Give him his five. Go ahead and put that thumb up there. He did it for five Sanders years. Bob is critical for two reasons. Because he played with Peggy Manning and his last name was Sack. That's it. Hey, way to take That's the it. largest dunk on Bob Sanders' career. Hey. Bob Sanders, okay, does Brian Dawkins make the Hall of Fame? Yes. Okay, so why doesn't Bob Sanders? Because Brian Dawkins was great. All right. Great for a long great time. Does, Not great for like two seasons. Right, but what does Bob Sanders have that Brian Dawkins doesn't? Longevity. And what else? No, wait. 
understood that. Brian Dawkins has like Right, because their time in, you know, their time in Denver was weird, but it was there. No, that time in DC, as old as he was, yeah. he was still like a really good player. Yeah, it was just weird, but it was like weird to see him and not an Eagles yeah, jersey. But um, what does Bob Sanders have that Brian Dawkins doesn't? Because I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, I, 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 get, I get where you're going. Yes. But that has nothing to do with Bob Sanders. Though. It doesn't, but. Okay. I don't even remember if he was healthy for that. He probably wasn't. <laughs> he probably wasn't. I'm, I'm sure he was on the roster. Yeah, he was there. I don't even know if he was healthy at that time frame. Yeah, he, he so was where, there. Like, he really earned it. Probably not, but he was there. He helped him get to that point. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and the, the Colts are real good for giving people reigns that wasn't even on that team in the organization. Are you Bob Sanders historians out there? Yeah. Uh, if you could let us know if he was actually on the field and not injured at that point. Bob, Bob Sanders' historian is probably the funniest thing ever. Um, but yeah, let us know. And then also, hey guys, kick the tires on Brandon Brown and just let us know how that goes. You know, take the walk of shame if you have to. It's okay. Ain't no judgment. But um, predictions, what's your score for this week? All right. So my prediction is sad as my heart. But uh, I'm going to predict that we have a better game overall and we're able to run the football but it's just too much Derek Carr in too much Derek Carr in the end not enough Matt Ryan in the end. Okay. so my prediction is 31-27 Raiders okay um, I agree with you on Wait, that let me, let me backtrack real quick okay. too much Derek Carr mm-hmm. not enough Matt Ryan uh-huh. therefore too much Matt Ryan yeah 3127. 3127. Okay. So, um, mind you, I'm not saying this because my side piece in town and my side piece looking real good. But I agree with what you're saying in too much Derek Carr, not enough Matt Ryan. Um, I see them getting the run game off. And I have this odd feeling Tevin Coleman's going to remember his three fumbles from last season and match that in one game. Now, why do you put that? Because I, I, they, if it's one thing that they like to do in that open linebacker court, and it's like they like to go for the ball. So, um, please work on. I hope no, because they didn't work on ball security at Flowery Branch. That's why. And I, I have Tevin a feeling Coleman they didn't. worked on ball security. Yeah, somebody worked on ball security. But the thing is, it's going to be a hard hitting game. Um, no one's going across that middle. Which means Matt's gonna have to work them sidelines. I could see them going cover two in the secondary just to be funny and forcing Matt Ryan to throw out the seams. I could see that. I could see, um, and, he, and he should theoretically, yeah, yeah. given their personnel, right, have success, yeah, in doing so, yeah. And which, if he does not, this show next week is gonna turn back into previous show, yeah, to where I shat upon yes. the name. Of he said shat. He didn't say the other word. You can say that. Um, so, if I got to give it a number, the number I go with, um, I'm going to take 35 for the silver and black, and I'm going to take 14 for the red and black. I, I'm going to tell you why. And I told you why, but I'm gonna tell you <laughs> even more. I, I, that Raiders defense, man. Like everyone looks at what the Saints did. Honestly, the Saints got lucky because Brandon Cooks is not a scrub wide receiver. And you know, Brandon Cooks was able to get open, and it was like he put up 143 yards on like six catches. Let's be real. One of those was a real nice over the top lob pass from the one yard line. Who throws the ball on their own one? The Saints. The Saints. And apparently the Raiders didn't get that scouting report. <laughs> and that's what happened. When you have no running backs, you have to throw the ball from the one. And that's what happens. When when Sean Payton is your head coach yeah. and Drew Brees is your quarterback, you'll throw you, the football from anywhere. You throw the ball from the negative three, and you'll probably be okay with that. You'll be on the other side of the opposite end zone. You're out of bounds throwing the ball. And they did. And that's what happened. So don't... Don't look at that like Brandon Cooks went off. Like aside from that, Brandon Cooks had a real basic game. If you take out that one pass for like ninety-eight or one-on-one or whatever it went for, Brandon Cooks only had like seventy some odd yards. I will say this though, it's more about Drew Actually, Brees. Less than that. It's more about Drew Brees than it is about the wide receiver. Right. But with that being said, uh, Sneed also went off. 
Yeah, what's well, Snead did? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, the set, they they gave up a lot of passing yards, but so did the Falcons. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's yeah. One of those trends is going to change. Um, I'd rather be the Falcons, but right now the way Oakland looks and with what Oakland has to deal with on the Pacific West Coast, Oakland ready. Like Oakland's on a push right now, and they ready. And Atlanta don't know what they are right now. Atlanta doesn't know if they're contending for a Super Bowl or if someone's at the studio. But um, what we're going to do, I think that's the buzzer for us to stop. <laughs> that's cool. That's the buzzer for us to stop. I didn't know we was doing that now. So I guess, you know, they gave us the time because we already ran over time a little bit. So they got to the point where they had to give us the stop sign. So, um should be an interesting week. We'll definitely be here to recap it next week. Um, as always, you have been listening to the ASC. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at T-H-E-A-T-L Sports and the letter E. The Instagram is coming soon and a few other things are coming very soon. Um, as always, you can hear this podcast and other podcasts on castoffstudios.com as well as SoundCloud. I don't know, I almost said SoundGram. SoundCloud. <laughs> um, <laughs> iTunes. Exactly. SoundGram. That's going to be the new thing. SoundCloud. I almost said YouTube. Dang, I keep adding stuff. SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere else podcasts are played. Um, follow me on Instagram and everywhere else at Mario Cordell. Do you want to shout out your own stuff? You can. Please shout your own stuff out. No, just no phone with Tevin Coleman. Okay, that's real that's good. That's really the only thing on my mind. That is not his name on Instagram or Twitter. But yes, no fumbles, Tevin Coleman. I am Mario Cordell. And I'm Terrence Lager. And you have been listening to the ASC. We appreciate you. Out.